you have set two world champion world world record times. Uh-huh. Um, you have a magnificent mustache. You are known for your mustache in many yes. regards. Have any given that these races comes down to hundreds and thousands of seconds? Have you ever had any aerodynamicists tell you that you should uh, somehow find a more aerodynamic approach to your upper lip? I've had them tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've never tested it, and uh-huh. all the tests that I've seen are like pretty negligible. Okay. Or like no difference at all. So, I don't know. I'm not that worried about it. Do you ever do? You, do you find yourself combing it the morning of, like, to get it super aero? I'll trim it. Like, okay. I'll trim it before we go to camp, before Berlin. Uh-huh. Get it a little tidier. I don't know. That's about it. Hey there, everybody. Welcome to King of the Ride podcast. I'm your host, Ted King, here talking with you right now. And it wasn't too long ago that I was talking to the most interesting cyclist in America. Admittedly, a title bestowed upon him by Bicycling Magazine. But truth be told, he is a very compelling reason for taking that title. Ashton Lambie is our guest on today's episode. Ashton is a two-time world record holder in the individual pursuit. He's a lightning bolt on the track. He is well-known for his corn-fed Nebraska upbringing that largely did not revolve around the bicycle. He's a trained pianist. He's got an amazing mustache, as we've just touched upon briefly. He's, he's got some great stories and plenty of other reasons for taking that title, all of which we're going to tackle in this show, so I don't want to go over all of them right now. Ash and I caught up moments before starting the shakeout ride for the Oklahoma Gravel Growler, a race that took place on February 1st in Shawnee, Oklahoma. That marks my last race before parenthood, which is nearly imminent. Laura and I are thrilled for what's around the corner, thrilled in that anxious deer in the headlights, super excited. Have we done everything we're supposed to have done way? but without having any real idea what we're getting into. Laura's crushing it. She's been carrying around this little baby king for exactly eight months. So with one month to go, or perhaps any time less than that, we are ready to get this party started. Parenthood 2020, what do you got? There will be a King of the Ride YouTube episode, formerly the Grow to Kansas coming out here very shortly. So depending on when you are listening to this podcast, I reckon by the end of February 2020. Check it out. YouTube, folks. It's apparently a thing. So speaking of Laura, she continues to crush it in this pregnancy. She's as active as ever. She literally swam further yesterday than I have in my entire life. I swim like a rock. So her 4,000 meters yesterday was like a walk in the park for her. Anyhow, among other things, she has some very, very cool projects up her sleeve. This is for you ladies. I will let her explain. Laura, my love, please take it away. Thanks, husband. And hello, King of the Ride listeners. We are excited to announce two very special women's retreat offerings, piggybacking on the success of our sold-out 2019 Rooted Vermont Women's Gravel Retreat, which was in conjunction with Network for Advancing Athletes, We'll be offering a women's retreat this year on both the East and West Coast with a team of inspiring mentor riders and female pro mechanics. 
May 15th through 17th will be our Grit and Lux weekend at the Mill District in Healdsburg, California. This is more of an all-inclusive retreat, so expect a weekend of Michelin star chef culinary fair, female-owned winery tasting, inspiring and informational presentations and breakout sessions with a star-studded group of leaders, skill clinics, and mechanic clinics, and finally, riding that will show off some of the most world-class roads in beautiful Sonoma County. This is for all skill levels. Uh, Registration fees and more information will be available later this week, February 18th at advancingathletes.org slash clinics. The Rooted Vermont and Network for Advancing Athletes Gravel Retreat held in Richmond, Vermont will be 100% free again with a maximum of 50 slots thanks to the support of Cannondale and Saris. We expect this to fill quickly. The clinic will be held June 12th through 14th and will be a weekend of inspiring and informational presentations, breakout sessions, a gravel skills clinic, and we will culminate the event on Sunday riding the Ranger Vermont. Saris has sponsored 50 entries into the event, which is a perfect opportunity to try out your new gravel skills in an inclusive and supportive environment. There's definitely no better place than Vermont to learn to ride dirt and to experience the spirit of gravel and its camaraderie and fun. So we hope you'll be able to join us again. Please visit advancingathletes.org slash clinics for registration information this week. And the link will be in the show notes. Brilliant. She is correct. I will list those show notes, so please check them out. Ladies, give that a whirl. That is all the news that's fit to print, my friends. Thank you all very much for listening. Let's just dig right in. Ladies and gentlemen, our guest, Ashton Lambie. Chicken man, how are you doing? I'm doing good, man. Yeah, just finished lunch. Here we are. Here we are. Um, is this your first first event of the year? The year is. We should we should set the date. It is uh, yeah. January thirty first, two thousand twenty. So we are thirty one days into the new year. So back to that question: Is this your first race of the year? No, actually. Excellent. What'd you do? Uh, the LA tourist race. Oh no way! Yeah. yeah I mean, supported by Untapped. I did it. Yeah. I uh, had a Stroop waffle at some point in the race. Excellent. We, uh, I rode it with a teammate, Christina Birch, okay. and uh, we very rapidly DNF'd. Ah. We were going up this big climb. <laughs> and you know the format of the race, right? Um, I know they've done something very creative. Remind me what, what LA Tourist is all about. So they sent um, basically four latitude and longitude coordinates. Okay. And then they attached, or like on their Instagram page, they posted like a video of like, all right, here's this noteworthy rock, and okay. we're going to put this book un- in a Ziploc bag under the rock. Oh, my God. Like, by a water tower or whatever. Yeah. Out way in North L.A. wilderness. I don't know where we were. Uh-huh. Um, and then you had to come up with a route to those four points uh-huh. and go and tear the page out of your book that was your race number. And Holy so... Cow. It was awesome. So it's DIY cr- routing. You have yeah, to yeah, get yeah. to the point... Oh my gosh. Okay, so at what point so, you decided DNF? Well or keep going with the story. Yeah, I thought I thought uh, you know, because Christina lives there, I was like, man, we're gonna have it made. Like she lives there, she's a local, like yeah. I'm the tourist. Uh-huh. Uh I'm just gonna tag along and do the route. And uh-huh. so we kind of did like mostly the suggested 
or like the the pre-made route that they had, they were like, oh, you can do this route and it gets you to the points. Yeah. But we didn't mark where the books were. Okay. And so it was like we we rode east through town and then went up into the mountains and we're going up this like 18% grade. We've been climbing for like, I, it was probably like 45 minutes, but it felt like three hours. Yeah. And uh, the we were like riding next to this other team and they were like, uh, oh, did you guys stop and get your book back there? And mm-hmm. we were like, no, what book? <laughs> and he was like, oh yeah, it's like two miles back down the hill. Oh. And I was like, well, it's going to stay two miles down the hill. Like yeah. we'll just keep doing the route. And uh, we ended up on a road, yeah, where we had to, so at that point we DNF'd and we were like, oh, well, we'll just get, you know, a casual 80 miles in. Yeah. And uh, after about like our 50th tree crossing, we were both like, oh, I think we might cut the race short a little yeah. bit. Yeah, yeah. Because we were out, we did 60 miles, and I think it took us like seven hours. Holy Elapsed time. It was wild. How many How many folks uh, line up at the start line of this crazy event? Uh, probably like one to 200. Okay. It's like a pretty good crowd. And is it a formal send-off, like ready, set, go? Or is it more mm-hmm. like yeah. whoever can accomplish these check marks? Okay. They had like a rollout time and everything, yeah. That is super cool. Um, when you say teammate Christina, tell me about what team this this uh christina is part of um well we we both share a few sponsors and uh we're kind of getting this like gravel project rolling um because she's still on track to you know uh like qualify to go to tokyo and like make that all happen and that thing has kind of ended for me um for tokyo for tokyo uh not the gravel bit though Uh uh-huh so um you know she still gets to do gravel to help her train for that and uh I get to tag along and do some races. That's super cool. Um, and then, like, right now, we're still, like, uh, next week, we have a camp in the Springs at the Olympic Training Center there for World Championships. Nice. Um, so where, where are World Champs this year? Berlin. And what time of year? End of February. Now, I grew up... <sighs> I didn't grow up racing on the road. I grew up uh, riding my bike. And then, eventually, I got into collegiate cycling and mm. continue of race, racing since then. Road racing is my jam and that's the kind of stuff that I know the schedules of and, yep. and when world championships are and when the Tour de France is and so yep. on and so forth. I don't, I've, I've spent um, a matter of minutes on a velodrome in my life. So I don't know when the world championships are, for example. Yeah. Um, do they always run that time of year? Yeah. Okay. Like very consistently, end of February, early March. Okay, much like the road world championships or mountain bike world championships, track yeah. is going to be at the same time. Um, I believe some of your first time riding a bike in any sort of competition, I'll throw air quotes around competition, was a grass velodrome. Yep. Tell me about life at a gla- grass velodrome. Um, that was, I'd so I lived in Lawrence for a few years and I'd kind of heard rumors about it. Lawrence, Kansas. Lawrence, Kansas, Larry. yeah. Um, and you know, like I'm a fairly stocky guy. Like I'm not built like a road racer or like an ultra distance guy. Um, and I was like, oh, I wonder if there's like something a little bit, you know, shorter distance, more power oriented. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I went there and did really well. I mean, it's basically like if you had a mower and a piece of string, like we could make one right here. So there's no, is there an embankment to it? No, dead flat. It's dead flat. Uh And there's like, it's just ground like this. Like it's not rolled. Um, like it's kind of like it's cross. not landscaped. No, it is not. Having just talked to your dad, yeah. Um, no one came out and laid sod. Does it wear out? I feel like if you if you ride the same track 
day after day? Or does it, it, does it resemble out. more like a golf course? No, it's much like coarser grass than that. Okay. Because they use it, it's just a hay field. What's the distance? 333. Is th- and again, to m- my naive mind about track, is 333 standard, short, long? Um, it's longer than the ones that we would use for like a, like a World Cup, uh-huh. like a competition one for World Championships or World Cups. That's a 250. Like yeah. the one in LA is 250. Okay. But like the, a lot of outdoor concrete tracks or dirt tracks are like either 333 or 400 meters sometimes. Okay. So there you are in Larry, Kansas. Yeah. You say, I want to do something that's going to suit my, my more explosive talents. What on earth kind of bike do you even ride to start banging out laps of, of this uh, unbanked track? The first track bike I rode was a buddy, um, Colin Earhart, that worked, I worked yeah. with at Sunflower. You know Colin. Dude. That's a great full circle. Keep going. He has this super, super sick uh, Surly Steamroller. Okay. Like total fixie, fixie nerd build, data bars, uh-huh. chub hubs, uh-huh. real throwback. Okay. And uh, that was what I wrote. He let me borrow it. I put some cross tires on it. Nice. And uh, then I actually... Super arrow cross tires. <laughs> yeah. You have to run cross tires. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I recognize that. Yeah, that was the first track bike I rode out there. That's so rad. Okay, so then that that full circle that I was referring to. My first yeah. Dirty Kanza, my first time in Lawrence, my first time in Emporia was 2016 Dirty Kanza. Mm-hmm. I believe that was your first Dirty Kanza. Is that correct? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. And Colin I had met for the first time, and you I had met for the first time. Uh-huh. And my mind is civ-like, and so a lot of it just... just <laughs> goes through the sieve, but I have vivid recollections of meeting the two of you and, and being together. And then at some point in my mind, I had the two of you confused for each other. And then I hear about this guy who's freaking crushing on the track. And I was like, wow, Colin's Colin? awesome. <laughs> You're uh, not the first, I mean, that's not the first time this happened. Okay. So you, the two of you guys are good friends. Yeah. All right. Uh, and that's that relationship, that friendship kicks off in Lawrence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nice. We both worked at Sunflower for... I mean, he worked there longer than I did, but okay. yeah, like three or four years. Were you, uh, were you a mechanic? Were you of sales? I mean, I guess you just sales. do a lot. Okay, mostly got sales. It. Got it. Got it. How long did you work at uh, Sunflower? I think four years. Nice. Yeah. Um, when did you first get into bike riding? Uh, and I riding in the very loose sense of the term. When did you start riding a bike? You ride as a kid. You ride. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Probably, I found my dad's road bike when I was like 15 mm-hmm. and did my first century that year. Oh, dang. That's kind of when I count, like, yeah. you know, more than just riding down the driveway. And then born and raised. In uh, Nebraska. Okay. Lincoln? Mm-hmm. Lincoln, presumably, is one of the bigger towns and or cities in Nebraska. Did you grow up in the city, the burbs? We've always, yeah, kind of like on the outskirts of town. Nice. Um, which is weird because, like, that's always a constantly moving line. Sure. Oh, no so kidding. less in the outskirts than yeah. we did <laughs> no, so when I was a kid. Downtown. Yeah. Cool. So riding a bike around, I mean, was it a, a pre-age 15, was it way of life? Would you go to, like, ride your bike to friends' houses and just bang around and do skids? Or, eh, not so much? Not really. Like, um, we just, everything is so, is, like, quite far away. Like, mm-hmm. that was one of the nice things about living in Lawrence. Everything was so close together and you could, like, Act effectively commute. Mm-hmm. You know, if you wanted to ride somewhere, even across town, it was like 20 minutes. But yeah. for us to ride, like for me now to ride to the grocery store, yeah. like if I kid up in, you know, regular riding gear, it's like 40 minutes. 
So you can't really commute. Face palm. That, as much as... So I often uh, will explain, probably to myself as much as anybody, that I enjoy riding a bike because I, I love the community, I love the competition, I love all these mm-hmm. things, and I love the, the wholesome nature of it. Like, you mm-hmm. can do a lot of good things. Like, go to the market. and Yeah. But we in America just do not... We live in a country that the infrastructure does not support that kind of thing. No. So... I'm much closer than 40 minutes to the local market, but I'm I'm up a steep hill that I will never run a bike <laughs> to. Ergo, enter e-bikes, which I think are a wonderful addition to mm. to the modern yeah. market. Um, the most interesting man in the world drinks Dos Equis. Mm. You have received the wonderful title as the most interesting bike racer. I know in, in the world. Um, I feel like that's a lot to live up to. It is. It is one of the best, uh, best titles I've ever seen. Actually, I think the title was the most interesting bike racer in America. Um, do you drink Dos Equis? Not really. <laughs> Preferred beer and or no beer? No, we drink beer. Okay. Um, I don't, we kind of like rotate through local stuff. Nice. Uh, just kind of whatever's around. Otherwise, like. The the landscape. So we live like our house is on the same property that Marv uh, runs the landscape business out of. Uh-huh. And one of the perks of working for Creative Landscaping is like a well stocked beer fridge. Nice. It always has Bud Heavy and Coors Light. Excellent. Year round. Just a given. That's how you hydrate, and that's how how a world record holder hydrates. Now, I mean, you basically got into cycling in 2015, 2016. Uh huh. Two years later, you were a world record holder. Yeah. We could probably go play by play over the course of two years to talk about how that all happened. So give me the slightly more concise version. How do you go from riding up and down your driveway to getting yeah. into grass tracks to holding a world record? Because I have not followed no, that. No, the riding up and down the driveway was like 2005. Ah. So there was a bit There was a bit of like uh, road racing on like in the Midwest, which uh-huh. is pretty shit. Uh-huh. Uh, didn't do that did randoneering for a while, like real ultra distance, huh. like big time ultra distance stuff. Is multi-day? Or just yeah. the, okay. I did uh, one 1200K, the Colorado High Country 1200K. Wow. In 2011? Uh, give me some reference. How old, how old are you 20, right now? I'm 29 right now. Okay. So I was like 21, Dang. 22 when I did that. Okay. Super fun. Loved that. Yep. Um, probably has its own amazing culture. Great. It's like, it's kind of like the gravel community, but like less loud. It's more like these guys, this like group of, you know, Uh a smaller group that just does it. And they're like, this is awesome. If you want to come in, that's cool, but we're not really going to like advertise it. Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay, So so I did the randoneering, uh, and then got into gravel when we moved down to Lawrence, um, got into the grass track, got started there. And then raced a little bit domestically. Did my first season at T-Town in 2017. Won my first national champs in 2017. Got on the U.S. national team. Did the World Cup circuit, world champs. And then the next year at Pan Am Champs was when I got the world record. You have the world record in... I don't anymore. You had the world record in individual pursuit. Yep. Is that correct? Yeah. Define the individual pursuit. Uh, it's a 
dead start on a track bike. So one gear, uh -huh. fixed gear, um, no brakes, and you just go as fast as you can for 4K. Brutal. Four kilometers. It's Absolutely brutal. brutal. How long is a team pursuit? Same distance. Okay. You, you said several seconds quicker. Which is nuts that it's only several seconds quicker. You set the world record in 2018. Yeah. Um, in Agua Calientes. Yes. Is that right? Yep. This, the next year, you broke your own record. Yeah. In Bolivia? Yep. Um, and Did your then, research. That's good. Uh, oh, thank you. I'm not even looking <laughs> at my phone right now. And then at the end of 2019, the record was surpassed. Is that uh -huh. correct? Okay. When you set the initial record, um, did you have did you have expectations of doing so? Were you were you pretty confident? No. Okay. I would say I was like, I thought I might on a very if I had a, the best day of my life, I thought I might be able to like eke out you know by a few tenths or something. Uh huh. It was sorry. This you did it at Pan Am's, and you had done one World Championships at that time. Yep. Um. Are, does it feel like is that are you under the spotlight? Is there a lot of pressure at those events or is it sort of as much pressure only as you're putting on yourself? Um, I felt like my first world champs, there really wasn't that much. Like it was kind of, um, there's, there's a lot of correlation between like some riders that are good individual pursuiters and good team pursuiters, mm -hmm. but that's not necessarily always the case. Um, like there are some really good team pursuiters that are absolutely terrible individual pursuiters and the other way around. Okay. So it was more like this pressure of, uh, let's try and get the team pursuit program rolling because right. that was the Olympic track event. Um, right, which is a big aside. Individual pursuit is not... No. Not an individual track event. At not an Olympic track event, right. yeah. yeah. Which is gnarly. At what point, uh, that's a relatively recent thing too, right? In the past... 2012, I okay. think, was the last time they had... IP at the Olympics. Yep. Foolish. Um, yeah. Um, okay, well then fast forward to your second one, at which point you are you're defending in a way. Uh, yeah. What was, the, what was the venue in which you broke your record? Uh, that was Cochabamba, Bolivia. Great names. Agua Caliente? Cochabamba? Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was fun because um, I don't... Re I think it might have been earlier that day when they had the flying 200s. Okay. Um... And I mean, everyone was like fully convinced that this track was going to be wicked fast because yeah. there's some stuff with uh, with Aguas Calientes where it is like one of the fastest tracks in the world because it's at altitude and yep. because of the weather it is there. Um, but I'm guessing neither of those are grass tracks. Is that correct? No, <laughs> okay. wood 250. <laughs> but the th interesting thing about Aguas is that like when they built it, no one realized that. And so it's not really like the easiest track to ride when you're going that fast. Uh -huh. And so uh, the same guy that built Aguas built Cochabamba. Uh -huh. um, but like, they were like, hey, we're going to build this and it's going to be the fastest track in the world. So Dang. the way the track is built really, really helps the speed. And it's also a lot higher. Um, the conditions weren't awesome. Like it was a little bit chilly just because it is at elevation and the competition went on kind of late. Yep. But I mean, everyone was like expecting that to happen. I was okay. expecting that to happen. And and when you say that it's it's a the way the track is built is that the materials is that the banking is that it's the, the banking so okay. yeah the interesting thing a lot of people don't realize about tracks is that even though all competition tracks are wooden and they're two hundred and fifty meters other than that 
free-for-all. Like, you can have the corners as long as you want relative to the straights. Mm -hmm. You can have the banking at whatever angle you want. The width is pretty variable. Mm -hmm. So, like, some tracks are really good pursuit tracks. Some tracks are really slow pursuit tracks. Ah. Some tracks are really good sprint tracks because they're super steep. They have really high banking. Yep. And you can get a bunch of speed. Like, all that stuff's totally variable between the tracks. Fascinating. Yeah. Now, the title of the most interesting bike race in America uh, is derived for a handful of reasons, um, I believe. Now, you have set two world champion world world record times. Uh -huh. um, you have a magnificent mustache. You are known for your mustache in many yes. regards. Have any given that these races comes down to hundreds and thousands of seconds? Have you ever had any aerodynamicists tell you that you should uh, somehow find a more aerodynamic approach to your upper lip? I've had them tell me that. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've never tested it, and uh -huh. all the tests that I've seen are, like, pretty negligible. Okay. Or, like, no difference at all. So, I don't know. I'm not that worried about it. Do you ever, do you, do you find yourself combing it the morning of, like, to get it super arrow? I'll trim it. Like, okay. I'll trim it before we go to camp, before Berlin. Uh-huh. Get it a little tidier. I don't know. That's about it. Uh, nerdy power up a question if you're going to go from a dead stop to do it the fastest 4k mm. of your life what do the power numbers look like in a say again four four minute two second effort um about right? are we talking average power with the start yeah rolling me, power yeah give me a 60 second summary of what your power does over the course of the well uh funny enough i actually don't have that great a power okay um i'm just really small and really arrow so like you would worry about watts per kig mm-hmm um, we worry about watts per CDA. CDA is like your drag coefficient. Gotcha. So that's what's important for us. Uh -huh. um, so on a good day, uh, like m maybe like 480, 490 would be total for the four minutes. Yep. And you're, you're sitting here, you're like, Oh, like I no. could do 500 for five minutes. Like I, I yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, that's not unreasonable numbers. In an incredibly compact position. It's not as though I'm exactly. standing and smashing out the, my hardest, right, powerful right, right. power. Um, yeah. What do you do straight out of the gate? Or do you try to plateau a pretty solid 490, 480 no. across the board? Um, I mean, ideally you want to get up to speed as quickly as possible yeah, and then just so, like maintain that. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, a standing start, you're probably like... 1,000 to 1,300 watts. Brutal. Uh, is it... And then, sort of, yeah, settle right in above threshold. What, are the, uh, what do the bikes look like? Pardon my nerdiness. Is it... Are you an aero bike or a... Oh, yeah. Do uh, they have an individual pursuit for non-aero bikes where you're on a more traditional track bike? No. Okay. Um, Man, all this talk of aero bikes and gravel. And have you seen the aero bar setup I got? On this bike? Yeah. No. Oh, we'll, it's goofy. We'll, we'll check it out shortly. Um... Another reason that you have this this title of most interesting bike race in America, four minutes and two seconds to break this record. You also have a record, Trans-Kansas. Had that one too. Don't have that one anymore. Oh, no way. <laughs> Which is a 23-hour and change record. Yeah. Um, is that, like you just said, the record has been taken away, so, so this is a formal thing. Is there like a day that this happens, or is it an event, or do you just... So when I was telling, it. when we were talking at lunch earlier about the like East West East Massachusetts record, yeah, yeah, uh, it's the Ultra Marathon Cycling Association. Nice. It's a uh, just like an independent organization that sanctions like cross country, city to city, uh, like fastest time to cover a distance, uh -huh. uh, 
most distance covered in a time, like that kind of stuff. Okay. Um, they sanction all those records. And so the way it works is that you pick a date, you just have to pick a date, and you can do the record for across state either like a day uh, in front of that or a day behind that, like due to weather or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you- yeah, you just have to pick it. So, like, the guy that got it from me uh-huh. lucked out and had, like, a rip and tail win. Sure. And, like, that just happens. How much foresight do you need in the in the date? I mean, if you don't get it one day, it could be like, actually, you know what? I want to try it again in two days. Could you just book, like, like consecutive record attempts? Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, that's a lot of driving to go 400 miles and drive 400 miles back and then ride another 400 miles. You just, miles. like, stay there. Yeah. Just stay on the west side of Kansas until you get the wind. Uh I don't know. I honestly don't know because there's a lot of states, especially in the Midwest, where like the south to, you know, we get really strong south winds in the summer uh-huh. and the south to north record is like average speed of like 32 miles an oh hour. And you're gosh. like, come on, man. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, that you was didn't. performance enhanced. Yeah. Thanks, wind. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there are other factors. I don't, I don't know. You'd have to, I'd have to look into that. Um, how did you go about with the pursuit? I mean, you had the formal record. Did you, you were riding in some capacity. You said, I want to just go for this record. Um, it was the same year I had not finished trans Iowa okay. and that was still a race. And I was like real, real miffed about that. Um, and I was like, man, I got to do something else. Cool. And I have this, I like to think I have a pretty good knack for like coming up with sort of interesting, but like, also kind of harebrained ideas like this. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was the next one I had. As much as we are hitting this, I keep on using the term hyper-competitive state of gravel, which uh. I think admittedly is happening. Yeah. Um, I think an offshoot of that is going to be exactly what you are doing, what you have been doing, which is create, do different things. Do them competitively, do them recreationally and document them and just get the, get the mm-hmm. word out. Of there are really cool bike rides all over the world. Yeah. So, diving back into the competitive side, talk to me about what it is like being part of uh, the U.S. track program. Or, or I mean, you race for, say the name of your Hoob team. Hoob Watt Bike. Hoob Watt Bike. Hoob like boob. Hoob like Can boob. I say that on here? You can on here. <laughs> H-U-U-B, like yep. B-O-O-B. Exactly. Um, so, that is your team. That is an independent team independent from USAC? Yeah. Okay. Those guys are all British. Got it. So so I guess that probably is a thing similar to traditional cycling where you only race under your domestic flag when you're doing world championships or Pan Am games or particular events and otherwise you work for an independent program? Like who? Like yes. Who? Okay. That's a good way to look at it, yeah. Okay. So then talk to me about you know the, the true logistics and the finances and how it works. Like are you on an annual contract with them? Um, Oh, I wouldn't say it's that formal. Okay. Uh, no, I mean, I have a lot of independent sponsors, um, like kind of just doing the privateer thing right now. Um, I've, I'll, I race with them like when it works out. Uh-huh. Um, like I would have raced with them at Minsk and Glasgow World Cups if USA Cycling wasn't there. Got it. But for us, those were both Olympic qualifying events. And I was like, well, I can't abandon USAC and go race with you guys. Sure. Makes sense. Um, but like the next races I'm doing with them, we're going back to Cochabamba for some more world record attempts. Nice. In What's, April. Okay. So how does your, how do you feel your fitness is right now? Late January, 
you have a huge good. Ver- you, and, and it's got to be fascinating given that you have a huge variety of. I do have a big variety. So it's like to work for. Uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. This is the first ride I've done off of Zwift in like weeks, <laughs> actually, since I got back from LA. I don't mean to laugh. I, I've been hearing that a lot lately. I mean, to, we're in the smack middle of winter. Yeah. So not everybody lives in LA, it turns out. No. Um, no, I think the fitness is pretty good. I've been doing lots of decent road Ks and then, uh, you know, we've got two weeks in the springs to kind of get that intensity back up before Worlds. Nice. Do you, do you work with a coach? Mm-hmm. Ben Sharp. Ben Sharp, and he is perfectly excited and willing and, and eager to have you work at multi-minute events as much as at multi-multi-hour events? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. Stay diversified, folks. Listen to that, kids. So, without 2020 Olympic options, you've talked about pursuing gravel. Mm-hmm. Um, the question that I had written down here was, how does that work physiologically? Um working with Ben, working with a coach and overseeing what, what different times you're going to have to do huge outputs. What does your training look like without going way deep into it? Um, Gym two days a week. Uh-huh. Um, usually like two or three lo- big long rides. Um, and then, you know, some intervals in there. Uh-huh. Pretty, I feel like that's pretty standard. I agree. I agree. Um, I mean, yeah, I think I feel like I lost any snap that I, like, I used to be able to put out 1600 watts in a sprint maybe 10 years ago. Jeez. I, I know. It sounds ridiculous. And then as I raced as a domestique where for years, all I did was tempo, 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 yep. tempo. I lost every bit of snap. So if I can go over 1200 watts, I consider that magnificent. Um, and I think, but I think it has to yeah. do, well, you say. I think there's a, there's definitely a balance. Uh-huh. Like, because, you know, you get guys that just work the intensity and, like, just do a, a bunch of, like, you know, VO2 stuff. Uh-huh. But I think you burn out on that pretty quick, and then you're not building that capacity to keep handling that workload. Uh-huh. Like, I think the reason I do pretty well and recover so well is because I have, like, those huge base miles, and then I can handle, like, a VO2 session, and I'm not complete trash the next day. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Versus, like, if you just do those base miles you lose any snap. Like, I think the, the diversity is huge. Right. That's clutch. Totally agree. And I, did, I, I, I worked on VO2 and I worked on some other things, but I just never worked on sprinting Yeah. Um, throughout that piece. I remember talking to Payson about it recently because Payson's in an interesting place, Payson McKelvin, mm, where he's, yeah. he's got to be a pro mountain biker, so he's still doing hour and a half super snappy efforts. Yeah. And then he goes out and races DK. And he was talking about the struggle of trying to fit it all in. And I was like, oh my gosh, it actually sounds amazing. Like, go do amid a really long ride, amid a five, six hour training ride, like, yeah, throw in a couple yeah. wicked hard VO2 efforts. It's going to make that five or six hours feel that much harder, but it also works exactly in line with both yeah. outputs. And it's also do. different, you know, like if you just do a standalone sprint workout versus like do a sprint workout or efforts at the end of a five hour ride, mm-hmm. which I do a lot of too. Like if I do, you know, a two by 20 threshold That'll be at the end of a four-hour ride. Yeah. Oh, heinous, but yeah. That, yeah. That is much more yeah, applicable sucks, than man. doing one when it's fresh. Yeah, exactly. Two by 20. My God, I haven't done that in years. <laughs> uh, you are a diversified man. You you tickle the ivories. You play the piano. Um, Rarely. Every once in a while. Do you? What do you do for fun when, when the bicycle is not involved? 
Tell me about family life. Tell me about, tell me about where you live. Um, well, we kind of live on like a small farm. Uh-huh. I'd say it's a low-key farm. Okay. Um, outside so, of Lincoln. Outside of Lincoln, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Forty-minute ride from the grocery store. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff, you know, like kind of doing the privateer thing. There's a lot of uh, like video work and writing projects that we've got going on. Um, and then I mean, just like life on the farm. You yeah. Know, like last night, I was hanging out. Can I say that I shot a raccoon last night? Absolutely. Because they eat our cat food and they shit in the garage. Hey, man, raccoons are... are, are They're garbage. Garbage creatures. So I shot one last night. That was my evening. They're the cockroach of the farm. They're terrible. Um, <laughs> so that, you know, like, <laughs> eternal vigilance of trying to keep the farm going. That is outstanding. Um, our house is uh, powered by wood. Okay. Like, we have a wood-powered furnace. Is it a one of these hyper-efficient wood-powered furnaces? Or is it a pretty standard wood furnace? I don't know how efficient it is. It's, it's uh, like outside of the house, so we have to go out in the morning, and yep. it's like this. It's like probably about the size of the dumpster behind us. Okay. You could very comfortably sit in it if it was empty, <laughs> and not and, uh, producing a thousand. Yeah, and it wasn't a thousand degrees. Yeah. Um, and so we have to fill that and chop wood for that, uh-huh. and then I do a lot of woodworking projects outside of biking. That's always good fun. Super cool. What does your wife do? Um, she's an accompanist for a middle school and then teaches music as well. What was the term? Accompanist. What is accompanist? It's like if you took middle school choir, uh-huh. the person playing piano with the choir, that ah. was like, Ted, play this, sing this now. That is very cool. Yeah. Did you guys meet as a result of music? Uh-huh. We met, uh, majoring in music in college. No kidding. Yeah. What was your actual, what was the, the, the term of your major? Uh, piano performance. And then I also got a business administration degree. From? Hastings College. Ah. The birthplace ah, yes. of Kool-Aid. Right in South Central Nebraska. Kool-Aid was invented there. Dead no set. kidding. Yeah. Do you drink the Kool-Aid? Yeah. <laughs> if a water fountain's with it. Um, among other cool things that I learned about you is that at Hastings College, you invented a bike share program. Yeah. That's so cool. Tell it's me about that. It's still going. That's um, nuts. It is nuts. It's awesome, man. That makes that's like one of my proudest things, actually. I love it. I love it. What um, if, how do you how do you even begin that? It was when I was working at a shop in Lincoln um, and bike shares were like just kind of starting to become a thing and like no one had kind of determined a good model yet. Mm-hmm. And we, um, you remember Globe? Specialized used to make Globe bikes. They were like these I'll say super, yes, but the answer is actually no. super utilitarian, okay. like real plain Jane commuter bikes yep. that worked great. Got it. And Hastings is on a dead flat campus. Perfect. So we got these you know, kind of like swept back bars, basket on the front, um, single speed bikes. Uh And we'd rent them out to people for, I think it was like 40 bucks a semester. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. So I was picturing like, uh, like a city ride chair for ride it for 15 minutes. Well, yeah, we tried that for a while. We were like, well, let's just try like, we'll go to Walmart and get these like cheap fuck off bikes and we'll just leave them around campus. Uh, Whoever needs one can ride it. And like, yeah, it turns out people are terrible. are terrible people. And throw them into trees and like, yeah, that didn't work very well. So that got nixed pretty quick. Um, yeah, for 50 bucks, you could rent a nicer bike with mm-hmm. a helmet, a lock. Um, we would put in the thorn-resistant tubes if you got a flat. Uh-huh. And worked great. We sold out uh, the first year. We had like 30 bikes. That's so rad. Yeah. And did then they, sold did you- out every year we did it after that. Were you? Did you receive the bikes 
heavily subsidized or free? I mean, a bike, if you pay 50 bucks per semester, is not going to pay off in a four-year college period. No. Um, we financed by the school. It was financed by the school. Um, Good work. Hey, they thanks. increased the price of laundry like a quarter, <laughs> and that was that was our funding for the program. <laughs> that was oh, it, so and rad. that was enough. I mean, we needed you know like eight grand or whatever, uh-huh. and that was like that was enough money. So and then we bought the bikes, it? okay, and then um, we were like, look, if we stay at full rental, it'll keep paying itself off until this point. And then we can turn around and use that money. Like we'll we'll get the program going for four years, and then once it's paid itself off, then we can keep expanding it. Yeah. With the extra money. And they Genius. were like, "This sounds great, cool." A visionary, works, I tell you. It worked out well because we actually Hastings has a lot of students from out of state, so we get a lot of students from like Colorado. Mm-hmm. Like Hastings is a small enough town that kids would like commute, you know, or like move from somewhere else, and they didn't want to move with their bikes. Mm-hmm. It's it's interesting when you go into a bike shop, especially in I was gonna say especially in bigger towns, but I went to Middlebury, which had a it's a small town. Mm-hmm. You go to the bike shop the first week of school, and you know parents are there buying their kids a bike. Yeah, that they're presumably gonna have for four years, and maybe they use it eight times or whatever. There's a lot of waste, tons in in the world today, and yeah, whether they use it at all over that four year period, there's gonna be a period where they're no longer using that bike, so. Hot damn, that's brilliant. Not to take anything away from those IBDs and those bike shops that are doing business to the college students and parents because that is also a fantastic way well, to that spend was your pre-college dollars. The other half of it, too, there was not an IBD in Hastings. The closest oh. one was like a 30, 40-minute drive away. Well, solve that problem. Good work. Yeah. yeah. I saw that it was initially 30 bikes. They're up to like one, 120 yeah. by now. Yeah. Man, due diligence, I tell you. Um, well, before I wrap up with my traditional three questions, I have an atypical fourth question. Bahama Longbottom. Yeah. Tell me about that. That is your Instagram handle. It is my Insta handle. Um, it's a really easy story. When I worked at Sunflower, one of the things at the bike shop was like, uh, it's a really old bike shop. So like almost everything we did was paperwork. So you'd like... You'd fix a flat and you'd put your, you, every every piece of paperwork you did, you have to put the date and your initials on it. Okay. And uh, so I'd just write AL. Yeah. And uh, one of my buddies, Andy White, who worked there, um, really good friends with Colin too. Yeah. Uh, was like, God, what's this dickhead's last name? Like, Who's Ashton. Who's AL? I was probably Longbottom. Like, <laughs> what a nerd. And uh, so like, it was like Ashton Longbottom or Assy Longbottom for a while. Mm-hmm. And then... Uh, in the summer, I wear a lot of Hawaiian shirts. Excellent. Like, that's just kind of like, yeah. I like wearing Hawaiian shirts. It's they're super s- hot in Nebraska. Yeah, they're super they're comfy. Very functional. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so then it kind of evolved into Bahama Longbottom because, like, you know, the Hawaiian shirts I'd wear to work every day. Perfect. That was probably the last thing I ever would have guessed, but that makes perfect sense. All right. In an effort to meet this group ride that we're going to be doing here shortly. Ooh, yeah. Wrap up with three questions. One, favorite place that you have ridden a bike. Two, number one place you would like to ride a bike that you've never ridden. And three, with whom, living or otherwise, would you like to go for a bike ride? Uh, favorite place I've ever ridden was Glasgow. Glasgow. Yep. It might just Irish because it's really recent. Uh-huh. Uh, but... It was like the day after our World Cup. I knew we weren't going to make it to the Olympics. And I was like, 
man, I'm going to go out for a big ride. Yeah. And uh, you had some bangers and mash. We or, did. Or yeah, yeah, yeah. All sorts of funky local hum, cuisine. Or, uh, not hummus, haggis. Haggis. Very different from hummus. Yeah, haggis is what? Intestines or, or kidney stones or... Something like that. <laughs> it's delicious. It's fantastic. Don't... I love... I yeah. love awful. I would, awful. I, yeah. It's easy to knock it. Glasgow was awesome. We had okay. a good ride. Killer. Um, I imagine it was uh, overcast weather conditions. No, it was actually really sunny. Oh. It's, it was cold, but it was sunny and pretty nice. Good man. So you're not a pure masochist who was like... I'm not going to the Olympics. I need some rainy weather to enjoy this. Well, that was the ride down. So okay. after Glasgow, I rode down to Derby, and it was miserable. Okay. Um, Where do you want to ride? They've never ridden. It's not just because you're asking these questions, but I really want to ride in Vermont. Like oh. I've had some great, great rides around Pennsylvania, uh-huh. and I've heard Vermont is like even more forested oh. and woody. And I'm like, damn, that sounds awesome. That's a great answer. I've asked that question a lot, and I've never gotten the answer Vermont. So really, well That's done, like young man. The main reason I want to go to that race in Ontario is to like kind of bang around that neck <laughs> oh, yeah. of the woods. <laughs> we had lunch. You asked me how far Vermont yeah, was that's from why. Ontario. That's why. It's it's far enough to be annoying, but close enough to be well worth it. Yeah. All right. And with whom? Oh, gosh. you like go for bike ride? Um. Go for a bike ride with Colin. Nice. Yeah. When I was the last bikes time with you went for a ride with dear Carl? It's been a while. Yeah? It's been a while, and I know he's like, he he always messages me. We've got this kind of running joke. Like, uh-huh. every New Year's, he's like, this is the year I'm going to get fit. Yeah. I bought a new trainer, <laughs> and he never <laughs> rides it. And, like, sure as shit, a few weeks ago, he sends me a picture of him on, like, his new trainer, and I'm yeah. like, let's do it, man. Yeah. You're going to get fit. And he's like, I got a buddy riding me a training plan. So, like... I want to go ride with him now that he's fit and he's got his training plan and I haven't had any pictures of him on the trainer in weeks. Good work, Colin. Colin, <laughs> Colin's been my mechanic for the past four dirty cans. He's a Kansas. good mechanic. I reached out to him and said, hey man, do you want to go for number five? And he said, I don't know if I can pull it off. He might have some uh, some some actual he's the got people who pay his paycheck obligations. Yeah, he does. He's an awesome dude. Uh, I hope you get that bike ride. I hope you come to Vermont. And Me too. That's uh, that's about all I got. All right. Hashtag, Thanks, thank man. you very much for the time. Yeah, this was fun. Really appreciate it. Yeah. Let's go ride our bikes. And there you have it. Ashton wants to come to Vermont. Laura wants all you ladies to come to Vermont. I think you should all come to Vermont. This place is heavenly. We love it. Bernie loves it. Come visit us anytime. Seriously, if you enjoyed the show, I cannot speak highly enough about those reviews. Five stars, of course, are appreciated. Hit subscribe. I mean it. Those are superbly helpful as well to hit that subscribe button. I appreciate you, fair listener. Thank you for listening. And until next time, please enjoy the ride.